What's up, guys? You're listening to Be Radio. My name is Felix. I am joined once again by Jeroen Kreimbrink, author of No More Bananas. Um, it was launched two weeks ago now, wasn't it? Or last week? It even. was, as we speak now, it was uh, one week ago, yeah. How 20, did the book 21st of June. I think pretty, pretty well. Uh, it, it's, of course, sales still has to take off. Uh, yeah. But it did, but yeah, you get quite some good, interesting uh, remarks and interest from from people throughout the world, actually. Oh, really? So, nice. Uh, well, I'm glad to hear. So this is uh, the fourth part, or actually, sorry, fifth part of our podcast series about your book. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be starting with um, step four now, which is dethrone yourself. And I found this chapter quite interesting because it was all about the first thing I noticed that was interesting was. The uh, first section of this is control your emotions, mm-hmm. which is somewhat contradictory to what you said in the chapter before, where you are focused on expressing yourself and speaking out. Yeah. And this is something I've been struggling with personally uh, recently. When to know when you should, you know, be honest with your emotions and speak out about it and when you should control it and kind of keep it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that there's actually more of these sort of paradoxes in the in the book yeah because in in the very first step step number one which was about calming down there was this remedy stop babbling so don't talk too much then in step uh, three but do you think that's a contradiction i feel like calming down is a or stopping no, it's, babbling is stop, it's it's a way to calm down but yeah. it's it seems sort of contradictory to the the thing of speaking out because that's about talking about the stuff you're really concerned about. Mm-hmm. And now again, controlling your emotions might seem contradictory, but I don't think it is. And as I mentioned before, uh, what is important throughout this book is balance. Mm. Uh, yes, of course, you have to be honest to your emotions when they are real, when they are really sort of in the way. Um, but on the other hand, oftentimes it's not very helpful. Uh, and sometimes it's not even sure whether they are your real emotions. So I'm, what I'm trying to do here is first be a little bit suspicious about your own emotions mm-hmm. because they might be sort of made-up emotions of things you, fe- you, you, you think you have to feel or you might be overreacting to something where actually you don't even have very strong feelings about, yeah. very strong opinions about. I think with regards to reacting, Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with controlling it. And a lot of the time people get an initial reaction and they think, oh, I feel this immediately, therefore yeah. I have to act on it. But actually, if you analyze it a bit and unpack it, you realize, okay, this is because of my bias here, because of how I was raised, because uh, of the, maybe the way the person said something or these kind of arbitrary factors which can influence our reactions. And then with speaking out, when it's right to do that, I feel like it's more so when you're scared to do it when there's something holding you back a bit. And that's the internal fear of the consequences, but you know that it's the right thing to do. Yes. But you just, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And then that's the point where you, where you need to speak out and controlling your emotions is indeed the kind of direct response. It's sort of trying to control your direct uh, response. I think that's what, what this controlling your emotions is very much uh, about Mm. because that might not always be, let's say, the kind of the real emotions. It might be you're, you're frustrated about something from yesterday. And so your first response when someone, I don't know, uh, hits you in, in or, or um, hits you with a hammer. <laughs> you then then, you, then you're probably, probably angry. But, but in, in traffic, for instance, if someone doesn't 
behave exactly as you want them, you might be very angry, but maybe that's frustration from yesterday. Yeah. Uh, or from even, even even older. So I think that's the kind of emotions that triggers this banana response mm. because it's, it's sort of overreacting. Uh, and that might easily create an overreaction from the other side uh, and you just get into... Yeah. Uh, into a fight or so. and it's also not not very productive if you for instance if you are uncertain uh, you could sort of really sort of immerse yourself into this uncertainty and you just feel worse mm. if you're angry if you really let your anger go you just become more angry yeah so in in many cases and of course i'm not saying in all cases but in many cases uh, letting your emotions go just makes the, the problem yeah. worse it's tough as well because it's Sometimes I feel like when you have to control your anger mm-hmm. um, or control your frustration, you think that by holding it in, I am not being true to myself. So, mm-hmm. for example, yesterday I was at work and it was my first proper shift and I was chatting to all the customers at the bar and I was still doing my job, um, but maybe not you know as attentively as I should have been. But I was you know having a really good time with them. They were all laughing creating an atmosphere. They were like, oh, you mm-hmm. know, it's lovely chatting to you. And they were buying a lot more drinks because I was talking to them and having fun. And then my manager took me aside and he was like, uh, Felix, you really need to use Irish. He's like, hey, Felix, you really can't be talking to the customers the whole time. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not. Like, I'm also doing my job. But I didn't say that. I was like, okay. He was like, oh, so don't be calling, you know, people at the bar darling. It's not, mm-hmm. that's not what we do here. This yeah, is a not restaurant. Pro- not proper it's behavior. not professional. <laughs> I was like, this is not, you know, a fancy place. Even if it was like, that's, I like doing that. That's endearing. That makes people mm. feel at home. It's it's comfortable. And I completely disagree with what he was saying, but he's my manager. Mm-hmm. And for like 20 minutes, I was just standing there like seething, like so angry. Like, I'm doing a good job. Everyone's having fun. They're giving us bigger tips, buy more drinks. And he's giving me shit because he just doesn't like the fact that everyone's uh-huh. having fun here. He just seemed like a bit of a bitter guy, to be honest. So I was getting really annoyed. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to say something. Uh-huh. after the fact of the conversation where he'd said this to me and I was okay I was like I'm gonna say I'm gonna bring it up you know later on mm-hmm. and I was like you know what don't just fucking leave it and then half an hour went by and I'd forgotten about it yeah I think that's a good example because yeah. if you would have let your emotions go you probably would have been angry and been maybe fired the same the yeah, same yeah. night <laughs> uh, I was and like of I course, cannot afford to lose this job <laughs> and the problem is that when you when you act from your emotions Others respond from their emotions too, and, and you can't have a have a good productive conversation. Yeah, I think if tomorrow you would go back and say, okay, hey, yesterday uh, or the day before yesterday, you you said this and this, uh, ask why, uh, propose mm. or explain why it's better, uh, why you think it is useful to 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 talk to the customers in that way. Yeah, he, he might still disagree, but at least you have a productive conversation. Mm. And I know that with, with all the with all the steps with all the remedies, it's easier said than done. Yeah, definitely. but that's not an excuse. At the end, we we uh, if you want, you, you're doing this for yourself. You're not doing this for him yeah. uh, or for for the other. Uh, you're doing it for yourself to feel better, uh, to go to not go bananas. Yeah. I think also, I mean, this is definitely true for myself, and I imagine other people as well. That when you have those conversations that are uncomfortable, mm-hmm. or that you leave them and you don't feel so good. You always think about the conversation. You go over it in your head and you think about what you should have said. Mm-hmm. And that, me personally, that always eats, eats away at me. Yeah, that's the ruminating step. Yeah, exactly. Step <laughs> and I think, about oh, earlier. you know, I should have said this or said that. And then I'm like, oh, maybe I can go back and say this. And it's more based on the fact that you're just not happy with how you acted in that situation. Yeah. And you think that if you had, had, if you had said 
something differently, you would feel different. Yeah. And that would drastically change things. And that would change their opinion and it would change your happiness. But it really won't. It's just regret. And Yeah, and it's about the past, so you can't change it anyway. Exactly. But yeah, I think this is a, a good step. I think controlling your emotions is something everybody can learn from. It's also about accepting the fact that your emotions are not right by definition, which is quite a tough lesson to learn. And I think a lot of people don't have that in their catalog still. Yeah, and I find it hard too. But I, I, I know that I've been pretty often been wrong about yeah. what I thought I felt. Uh, I think it's a very useful skill as well to have, and it's quite liberating to, you know, even like yesterday when I was, the way I normally do it is if I've had a conversation with somebody that's made me angry or frustrated, I will, you know, be angry or frustrated at the start. And then towards the end, as I'm calming down, I will fully look at it from their perspective mm -hmm. and look at myself and be like, okay, you know, with the, yesterday's example, I was thinking like, actually, you know what? I probably wasn't doing my job as well as I could have been. I probably was slacking. There was probably things that I missed because I was talking to people. Yeah. It's probably a seed of truth in the other exactly, perspective. Yeah. I mean, we well. might have differing opinions, but yeah. it's not like his opinion is completely invalid. Uh, yeah. yeah. So we get, we get to that explicitly later on in, in, in step number eight. Yeah. So banana remedy 4.1, control your emotions. Realize that emotions often an unreliable and ineffective guide. Instead of letting them flow freely, control them. Don't take yourself too seriously and act if you were, as if you were a calm and confident adult. That can be tricky, but we all got to do it. <laughs> yeah, so at least try acting as if. Yeah. And uh, the whole trying to act as if, that in itself could sort of calm you down and help you go less bananas. Yeah. So step 4.1 is stop soul searching, which is quite funny because uh, this is a self-help book. Uh-huh. <laughs> Another contradiction. Like, yeah. <laughs> what do you have to say about that? Yeah, and I think the entire book is deliberate. It's not about uh, um, finding your true self. It's just, it may be the, 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 name, the message is more so relaxed and stop doing that. Mm. Uh, and this, I... I um, Part of this remedy, I also was inspired by a book by, by Svend Brinkman at Stand Firm, which is a complete book sort of against the self-help uh, craze, which, of course, is a self-help book in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in itself. But the point here is not that not against self-help books or not, not against trying to improve yourself, but it's, it's against trying to find your true self, yeah. trying to find out what you truly want what are the, the, the things you are really good at? Because that's like an endless search. Mm. You might never find out. And maybe there is no, there's, there's not really a true, a true self. So you might think you, you still have to discover what you really want to do and what you really brings joy. But that eats up a lot of time. Uh, at the same time, you might just also just do the things you like yeah. uh, and not worry about whether that's really the, the best and most ideal career um, uh, goal, purpose that you're striving for. I think it's also the fact that the self doesn't exist, you know? What are we? Are we our body or the mind or the consciousness or... Yeah, and there's know, this idea our that... background or who we were yeah. yesterday or right, you know, the way in which we conceptualize time as well is is not the way it truly is we look at ourself in a you know a linear sense a sequence of events so you can conceptualize it as our memory 
Sure, the, the way we look at ourselves is, is a construction anyway. Yeah, so exactly. we, we've, we've created a picture. So there, I think there is no... Uh, so whatever you will find is, is mm-hmm. what you created about yourself. And it's also, I've wondered very often, like, okay, what are my... Because we are all supposed to think about our our long-term career and the ultimate purpose in life and what, what are the, really, the real things we want to achieve. I don't know. Uh, so, of course, I have... No I want, idea. I want, I want to live a, a happy, nice life yeah. and maybe make a make a difference to a few people, uh, but that's it. Mm. And then I think when you just live, and it's not not like um, live by the day. That's 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 something else. But it's really not just trying to look for uh, yeah something mystical deep inside that might not even be there. Mm. I think with some people though, they do sometimes suffer from not knowing exactly what they want to do. Mm-hmm. So I feel like with with some self-help books, it's good because uh, it teaches you how to live your life in a different way. With this one, yeah. for example, or you know, to work out more or do this because it'll make sure. you happy. And actually sure. just do what you want to do more yeah. and how to do that. Yeah. But then with soul searching, I feel like that's a different kind of self-help book to figure out the self. And some people really, they, you know, come out of high school or university and they really have no idea what they want to do. Of course, and a little bit, uh, again, it's balance. Of course, you need a little bit of that because otherwise you would be just, mm. I don't know, lying on your couch, uh, couch and, and being bored or having no clue what to do. So thinking about sort of direction, having some direction in, yeah. in life is, is very useful. Finding out but, what you're interested in. Sure, but what I'm what I'm emphasizing in this in this chapter and that's sort of in quotes is finding your true self and what you really want. Yeah, because that sort of puts the bar far too high. So mm. be, I think that's an interesting concept by Herbert Simon. It's satisfying. So pick, let's say the first thing that is reasonably in the right direction. So and then go and do that. Yeah. Uh, and then from there on, you will probably change your mind anyway. Yeah, I think it's really what I got from this remedy was uh, stop questioning yourself so much yeah, and have faith in that whatever you're doing, as long as you're happy is probably the thing that you should be doing right now. And as long as you're doing the thing you should be doing right now, then yeah. why, why are you worried? You yeah. know? And don't look for the ultimate. Yeah. So that was uh, banana remedy 4.2. Stop soul searching. Stop trying to find your true self and what you really want. You will never find it. And it distracts you from having a nice life. Instead, focus on what you like and how you can help others. So yeah, on to the next one, Banana Remedy 4.3. Enjoy your averageness. I quite like this one, especially the first uh, couple, couple lines, which is, this is a painful one, for me at least. Accepting that I'm an average person, me, an exceptional, super smart, omni-talent with a special calling to save the world by helping everyone on the planet to get rid of their bananas. How could I be average? How dare you compare me to you ordinary people? And even more ridiculous, how could I enjoy being average? There is nothing to enjoy, is there? A lot of uh, rhetorical questions there. <laughs> yes, leads, asking leads, myself. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of a monologue. But yeah, it leads nicely into, into the chapter. So I thought it was quite interesting as well. And in it's, it's something that I think we struggle with a lot more nowadays because of the comparative culture we live mm-hmm. in. And that, you know, you're constantly exposed to people who are not average in the traditional sense. They are quite exceptional in that way. In, in you know? one tiny thing. Yeah, in, in more just the fact that they're famous. 
Yeah. And that is what makes them, or we perceive them to be exceptional because they yeah. have been so successful in their in, chosen... In being, in being famous. Yeah, in, in that <laughs> chosen field, which happens to be a field yeah. that results in being famous, like you yeah. know, musicians or artists or yeah. models or whatever. And we compare ourselves to them and like, oh, you know, they're so funny or so talented or so mm -hmm. beautiful. You know, and I'm just average. And it's like, but they they also might be way more average. They are. Yeah. But um, like if we if we're kind of, you know, like um delving into that comparative framing, mm -hmm. they could also be so much less than you in so many aspects and you'd have yeah. no idea maybe they're completely mentally unstable or they're actually nowhere near as confident as they see and or it's all probably just not yeah. yeah or completely unhappy i think yeah. especially the the very famous people they suffer from all the attention and the, the paparazzi oh, yeah. and, and so i think what we see on the outside is, is uh the, of course we we are always we um, our attention is drawn to the extremes mm. because the average is sort of boring because it's that's in the media that's it's always more interesting to talk about people on, on the extreme people that are extremely good at something or extremely bad at something but that's just one very tiny aspect of what they do uh, and i think what i try to to make clear in this um, with this remedy is you we all are average uh, on, on average we're all average so if you look at yourself and your your intelligence your i don't know your income your friends the your hobbies, the way you dress, everything that makes you. I think for 90% of all that, you're just as everyone else. Mm. Uh, and there might be one small thing where you are uh, different. Yeah, I, and, I really like the bit at the end where you said probably about 90% to 99% of what defines you are average things. Yeah. That's, that's quite a powerful statement to have because... I mean, everybody kind of clings on to these things about their personality, which differ them from the people around them. Yes, we have to be special. Yeah, so you yeah. think, okay, you know, I am who I am, or the things which you access more easily in your head when you think about who you are is, okay, I'm like this, got a nice voice, blah, blah, I think I'm good looking, blah, 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 whatever, and you just, and you hold on to that, but they're all still average things anyway. Yeah. There's no problem yeah, and as I'm, life. as I mentioned, the the when we we kicked this series off, is you were asking what is your biggest fear? That was the list of fears oh, yeah, yeah. in one of the earlier earlier chapters, and I answered sort of the the fear of being average. So that's also why I start this one with the quote you just gave. Like this is the painful one, painful painful one. Yeah, uh, because it is. Um, and so this is very much also me myself. Uh, teaching my own lessons. Was this the hardest one for you? <laughs> this, to, this was really uh, maybe the next one as well. So mm. the, the why do you think that was? Because I've never, I've never really struggled with thinking that I'm, or I like I know that I'm average, and I kind of I don't know. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't want to dive into that because that's yeah. sort of trying to soul search again. Why is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? What has made me in this way? Uh, I could probably give an explanation, but it ha doesn't help me. Mm. Um, but it, I know it's something. It's it's one of my weak points. Uh, and at the other hand, there's a there's a uh, I think a strong point as well. Uh, that's the whole reason that I write books. Mm. If I would think I would be completely average, I wouldn't have the confidence to write a book. Mm. So it is. Again, it has it has two sides. Um, I think this also very. It, it contains some pretty practical advices, like okay, just. 
to convince yourself that you are average, just make a list of, uh, like write on a paper, make three columns, put in the left column the things you're extremely bad at, the, in the middle column the things you are average at, and in the right column the things you are extremely good at. Yeah. And to raise the bar a bit, extremely good should be about, let's say, amongst the, the 10 per best percent in the world. Mm. Because if if you're not even amongst the 10%, uh, there's about a billion other people having the same characteristics, so that's average. Yeah. And what you will find out that everything defines you, with a very few exceptions, is in the middle column. Mm. So that's a way to visualize, literally visualize, to make yourself see that, okay, yeah, uh, I've written down 30 things and 28 are in the average column. So, yeah, I'm pretty average. Unless you like... Uh... Olympic sprinter or something, then Same. then you're probably not average. No, but, but there is Olympic sprinting in the right side. Yeah. Everything else ah, is true. in the middle yeah, column. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, so again, even then, you we are so much emphasizing our non-average characteristics, and it's a burden. So that's the um, mm. the, the the part I still want to emphasize before we move on is enjoying your averages. Yeah. Because it takes away a burden. Because the the um, the need to be special creates this, this sort of endless rat race. Mm. Uh, and trying to be happy that you are average, because it is, it's sort of liberating. Uh, one of the other things, one of the other tips is create a non-to-do list or a non-bucket list. All and the yeah, stuff yeah. you don't have to do anymore because you're average. I don't have to become rich and famous. I don't have to make a world trip. I don't have to get on the promotion. Yeah, stuff like that. I don't have to be friends with everybody. I don't have to write a novel, a children's book, or self-help book. I don't have to be the best in my team or be in the best team. I really like that. That was even a bit therapeutic, just reading that out. Mm -hmm. Just like, it's okay. You know, it's <laughs> yes, okay. you're okay as it's you are. It's okay to just be you. Yeah, yeah. It is. But I think it's, it's, it's funny as well because a lot of the time that I think people, they get into this frame of mind of comparing themselves to you know people who exceed yeah. in a certain field. But you think when you look at these celebrities and whoever, okay, you def the way that you define them is via that you know the musician is mm -hmm. a musician he's amazing at that so he is amazing mm -hmm. but the musician doesn't see himself like that he sees yeah. his musical side is just his career he thinks yeah. about his family and his friends and he might struggle with that yeah, or which probably is more important to him yeah definitely than, yeah uh, it's always just the job but yeah and then you know we get into that frame of mind of thinking that okay if we're not successful in that sense and you can still think, oh, you know, I'm average at my job or what I want to do or whatever. It doesn't make you any less of a person to yep. not be exceedingly successful in that career. So none of it, none of it matters that much. And uh, on to the next one, which is embrace your unimportance, which I imagine is quite closely linked to the enjoy your averageness. Yeah, it is. And so they, because they're all also the same, the same step is dethroning yourself. Yeah. So make sure that you are. Uh, you don't put yourself on this, this golden throne uh, or pedestal because mm. you are not. Uh, and again, this is also a painful one. Uh, embrace your unimportance. It has also these two sides. It's accept your unimportant uh, and uh, embrace or enjoy it. Uh, accepting that you're unimportant. Uh, initially, this, this, this remedy was called accept your insignificance. But it's an important difference. And I changed it because some of the, the people that read the book before it was published pointed me at that because it doesn't mean you're meaningless hmm. because insignificant means you would be meaningless no you, you have I think, a, hopefully a lot of meaning to people around you but in the bigger picture you are really unimportant hmm. uh, or you could argue that you are important 
but so am I, so is the table we're sitting on, so is the mosquito, so is the sand grain in the desert. And if everything is important, none of it really matters. Yeah. So average is you're not different than um, uh, different or unique and, and important means in the bigger picture, you're just not, uh, it's not so relevant. Um, yeah. whatever, and whatever kind of occupation or, or person you are, you are as important as anyone else. Yeah, it's tough as well because we all derive our own feelings of importance or self from ourselves. So you can't imagine the world without yeah. yourself because that's how you conceive it. Yeah. But as the Beatles said, life flows within and without you. So uh, it will. You know, <laughs> it does. But there's an interesting one. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the Fall of Icarus. It's a painting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure by who. But Icarus is uh, he's the Greek demigod mm-hmm. who uh, flew too close to the sun mm-hmm. and he burnt his wings and then he yeah. fell to earth and he died. So there's a beautiful painting of this whole lovely farm scene of in the foreground there's like a farmer plowing the fields and there's a woman doing some sewing. In the background there's like a lovely town with uh, you know some boats going out to harbour. And then right in the foreground, just in a little corner in the sea, mm-hmm. is Icarus drowning. And the whole painting is meant to signify the fact that, you know, even if you're having your most horrible, terrible moment in your life, it doesn't really matter because nobody cares that much. And it's also... Your life will go on without yes, you. So. Yes, and it's also like a warning, don't overestimate yourself. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what, what Flood the Flying Definitely, to the Soul yeah, yeah, yeah. refers to, uh, which could be the picture sort of... If if the book would contain pictures, could be a picture that would fit this this chapter. I think so. Yeah, it's a very poignant one. It also helps me remember that you know, no matter how bad I fuck up, everyone is gonna forget in a week. So. Yeah, including yourself. <laughs> yeah, I might take a bit longer. Depends on the intensity of the fuck up, but you know that's that's another story. Yeah, I think it's also about it's a level of nihilism as well. When you were talking at the uh, later on in this bit about Nietzsche, mm-hmm. I always feel like the it's again sort of a paradox and that you have to remind yourself of the fact that nothing really matters, which is, yeah. you know, nihilism and this is all yeah. important. And that's how you deal with the idea of or the fear that, you know, that everything matters so much yeah. and that nothing really matters. But at the end, it, it, it is, it's, it's, it's about giving yourself a better feeling about yourself. Because if you realize that it, this is about getting, doing away with your ego, because if that's, if that's gone, then you realize, then you can only be, then you can actually be really important. Uh, because, so if you don't find yourself important, or don't think you are important, I think that increases your mm. importance. And this is definitely not an excuse for um, not doing anything about big problems like global warming. Uh, because, it, because sure, we have to solve those things. And so th- this is very explicitly not, not, not creating excuses for mm. that, because that could be the other side. It's more of like a warning against when these feelings start to... Yeah, don't, don't overestimate yourself. Feelings. Don't take yourself yeah. too serious. Don't uh, yeah, embrace your unimportance. Mm. Definitely. Yeah, I think it, it's also about letting go, which is uh, you refer to that in Chapter 2 as well. And they fit quite nicely together. Um, you've got a few remedies here as well, things that you can do, visualizations, um, such as, you know, holding, uh, visualizing clouds, which I think we spoke about last time as well, and uh, putting your problems and you know, everything inside the cloud, letting it float away. 
That's something I've been doing mm-hmm. recently. It works quite mm-hmm. well. Or even just looking at a cloud mm-hmm. physically. But yeah, so that's embrace your own importance. Banana Remedy 4.4. Accept that nothing you do, say, think, or feel matters in the bigger picture. Enjoy the liberating feeling this creates and live life in humble enjoyment rather than to realize a bigger purpose or calling. Yeah. And on to the final one from this chapter, which is celebrate your temporality. Which is, out of all of the ones we've spoken about, I kind of identify with this one the least. Mm-hmm. Um, I was speaking to a friend last night about death. Mm-hmm. She's very scared of death. Mm-hmm. And she really, like, I can't understand that. But I know, like, other good friends of mine have told me, like, I was like what's your biggest fear? Like, death. What? Why? What? How can, but death yeah. is the release. You know, death is the, <laughs> death is the nice part. Well, not the nice part, but it's I, like, I hope it's, it's, it's not as terrible as yeah, that. I mean, unless, unless you believe in like a, an afterlife where there could mm-hmm. be some form of punishment for how you've lived your life here, mm-hmm. I can't imagine why you would be scared of it because everyone I've spoken to as well, we don't believe in an afterlife. Mm-hmm. We've got no reason to. So I think the most likely thing is that we just die. And that's that. And I'm not... Yeah, but for, for quite a few people, that's one of these, the biggest fear. Yeah, really. Uh, I think so what, what you also think what you, what you also show in this way is that not all these 45 remedies are as important for everyone. Mm. Uh, this one, you can't yeah. really relate. Sure, that's great. Because that means this is one, one thing less to worry about. One less banana. <laughs> yeah, one less banana. <laughs> so you can strike it off and go on to the next one. Yeah. But there are people who, who really fear death or who, I think what, what we, it's sort of not... If you look look today, we were supposed to live forever. We want to avoid every risk. We want to stay healthy. Every problem that that's there, we want to fix it. Uh, and at the end, we lose anyway, because there's if we can prolong our life, maybe with five more years, or maybe ten more years, but then that's it, and yeah. it's over. And accepting that that that's just part of life is I think something many people have a hard time uh, doing today, maybe even for a very long time, but. It's also, again, it's celebrating. So it's accepting it, but also trying to enjoy that. Because if we would live on forever, what's the fun of most of the things we do? There's no risk whatsoever. There's a lot of things that are just as boring as as, as watching as the world turns forever. Yeah, I think that's also what makes so many things so beautiful is that they are temporary. Yeah. And that, you know, this is, you should enjoy this thing now because in a moment it's not going to be there. Yeah, and it also makes you aware, and this is one of the things I recommend doing, sort of look up or calculate your um, expected shelf life. So how, how much longer are you yeah. expected to live? And it, it helps you sort of to put things in perspective. And you know that the people that sort of know, they, they, they've just heard that they have this disease and they will die in three months, in half a year. I think that changes their perspective dramatically. Of course, yeah. They, yeah. they put things in perspective. And they say, okay, now I focus on what's really relevant. To a far lesser um, degree, Less but, this, but the same the same mechanism is if you are really aware that you have thirty years, your let's say statistical expected life remaining life is thirty years, it can help you sort of think, okay, I'm not going to waste that. Uh, uh, you see people realizing this in their this, this, this midlife crisis. Okay, I'm over. I'm halfway. I'm halfway done. Mm. So then, but maybe by really being aware of that, you could do could do that earlier by. And there's actually sort of tables that you can just look up or even some, some calculators online. You just fill in a couple of details about yourself and you get a expected date, date of death. 
That's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, it's not an accurate prediction, but it gives you a sense, okay, I think I have about 30 years to live. Uh, 2081, February 16th, cool. <laughs> yeah. I'll pencil that in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was looking at a thing recently as well that was, um, it was a breakdown of, of why you should really enjoy your job and why the, if you don't enjoy your job, then essentially you're only living for weekends and holidays. And yes. the rest of the time, you're kind of fed up mm -hmm. in a nine-to-five job that you don't enjoy, you're not passionate about, you don't want to be there. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was averaging that if you were 25 and you were going to die at 80, and once you break down all of away the hours that you sleep and the weekdays, mm -hmm. it turns out you only have five years left of waking time of enjoyment. Of non-working. Of, yeah, yeah. Of, of enjoyment. So you better enjoy yeah. your, your job then. Exactly, yes, that's a big part of it, but... When I was discussing this, uh, this fear of death with my friend last night, she was saying that a big part of it is the fact that you spend your whole life working up towards something. And that yeah. there's an end goal. And yeah. that you do all these things, you know, get a job, get a family, whatever. Yeah. And then it's all just gone. And yeah. you're gone. And what the fuck was the point in any of it in that sense? And I think we got to the heart of it was that she really values the end goal, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm somebody who... I prefer enjoying the journey. I've, I've never been somebody who works towards long-term mm -hmm. goals. You know, yeah, it's of course a bit of a cliche, but that, that's 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 exactly. I think the point here is try yeah. to enjoy the journey. Exactly. Because yeah. there, just like with soul searching, there might be no sort of real true self or ultimate goal or ultimate purpose. And once it's there, maybe you realize two seconds before you die, okay, it's not there. It's just it's and like life history. has been a waste. It's like it's just one damn thing after the next. <laughs> but yeah, that's a uh, banana remedy. 4.5, celebrate your temporality, accept that death is as much of a part of life as everything else, and be happy about it. Realizing you will die anyway makes more life makes life more fun, and without death, nothing would be worth living for in the first place. That's very true. So that has been step four, dethrone yourself. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Be sure to check out step five, build character. We'll be getting into that right now. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, and uh, see you next time. In a bit.